This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I'm very happy to say that I am joined by Rye Park from Melbourne, who is currently touring on the back of her most recent <laughs> single, Bitch. Raya, thanks so much for coming to tour us here. Hello, thanks for having me. It's really great to <laughs> have a chat to you today on this very sunny Saturday. I know. I want to talk about London. Mm-hmm. So you were born I was. in London. Yes. You moved when you were quite young. Yeah, Um. Just so I was born there in 1995 um and then when i was six months old um came back to australia and then when i was three moved to singapore for nine years okay and then moved back to australia but i have family in london and we go there all the time and visit them and my dad's half english so right i didn't realize you were there for such a short time Yeah, yeah 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 okay but i've spent a lot of my like childhood and stuff growing up there pretty much as well with my cousins. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to you're going to be playing a show there. Um I just did. <clears throat> yes. Oh, you've just played there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just played there in July. Right. Yes. I like to talk in about Brixton. live music yeah. <laughs> in London. <laughs> yeah. Where did you play? I played at the Brixton Windmill. The um, cuz I know that a large isn't it, a lot of the live music happens in Camden? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Camden's super cool. I really like it. Really cool bars and pubs and stuff and yeah, really good for live music, but I thought Brixton was super chill and cool and the place that I played at was like a small little grungy bar and seemed to be a lot of like walk-ins and stuff like that. Obviously, I don't know heaps of people in London, Mm. Um, so it was really nice to get like a crowd there and people that were like willing to see live music of someone they might not have heard of before. Sure. Yeah. So it seems as though, I mean, you've been going back there quite a lot and you chose there. So I think you played a, a show in New York. Yes. And I London did. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like you have, I guess, a really strong connection yeah. with the city. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as I said, my cousins who I'm really close to live there. Um, so I visited them like many times over the years and also did a gap year um, after I finished high school and I spent like a couple of months in London as well. Okay. So um, you have kind of lived there for. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's been like period. on and off. Okay. Um, and my best friend. Um, just moved there in November and I spent like two months with her in June, July. So Okay. So yeah. I guess you've been to lots of live gigs there. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk about maybe differences in the scene? Because I know mm-hmm. you, that you're sort of active in Melbourne at yeah. the moment, writing in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a bit about maybe a comparison or some of the differences between going to um, see live music in Melbourne and going to see it in London? In a weird way, I find them kind of similar. I feel like the drive and eagerness of people that live in Melbourne and London, like an aud- like an audience member, they have the same passion to go and see those live shows. And I don't know, I feel like they have a similar vibe okay. in terms of what audiences appreciate and what they kind of want. Does that make sense? Like, Do you think that it's in both places, mm. there's kind of a scene for all genres? Yes. Rather than just, you know, it's a punk city or... Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, I've seen a punk show in London and I've seen a rock show and I've seen, like, singer-songwriter and, as you said, I feel like all genres are kind of celebrated there, similar to Melbourne, but also Sydney too, so... Mm. (laughs) 
As a result I of am this, Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> as we a result, are in Sydney right we're now. both in Sydney. Yeah, the you're here because mainly because you're touring for the most recent single. Yes, bitch. Yeah, we're going to hear that in a little bit. Yeah, I'm really, the mood is very complicated. Yeah, there's and it's sort of reflected throughout the singles that you've re- released previously. Yeah, because there's a lot of I guess contrasting mm-hmm. styles. There's some kind of quiet keys. Yeah, but then it's contrasted with these like really gnarly guitar the bridge is massive yeah with these yeah. really gnarly <laughs> tones so i'm interested to hear about your i guess your transition as a music fan mm-hmm. transition through the genres have yeah. you always liked everything or have you hopped from like you went through a phase of yeah. really heavy music and then listening to singer songwriters or um i have always liked everything i mean growing up when i was in singapore um in like the late 90s and early 2000s, I have two really older sisters and they were super into like Alanis Morissette, Red Hot Chili Peppers. My parents have always been into Rolling Stones. So I kind of like dabbled in those areas because that's what I knew like mm-hmm. in my family. Um, so growing up, they those kind of bands were always my favourite. But then, I don't know, as I got older and I started singing more, Missy Higgins was like my idol. Okay. <laughs> like I think like every girl's idol in like 2005, like sure. the singer-songwriter yeah. and the acoustic guitar. So even like through high school and when I started uni, I was very much wanting to be like an indie folk singer um, and kind of definitely wrote in that style when I was starting out in songwriting when I was like 17, 18. Mm. And I think university for me because I studied music, was a really good chance for me to kind of figure out what kind of music I wanted to write and what kind of artist I wanted to be. Because as you said, I did like a lot of different genres, so it was about what kind of worked for me and what made sense for me. And I think that that's not something that happened overnight. I think it was just built through a couple more months and years and of songwriting and working with different people Mm. um but I think definitely getting into the more rock side I mean I'd I've always loved rock artists but I never associated myself as possibly dabbling into that field until I met um Peter Farnan who's produced all these tracks with me um and he was in Boom Crash Opera so right um yeah so he kind of introduced that side into my music, I guess, which is where the distorted guitars and stuff like that kind of originated from in my music. And okay, I so, love it, so it came from more of like a studio environment. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, he'd kind of heard some of my songs, um, and we said that we wanted to work together. And yeah, we kind of over one summer a couple of years ago, just kind of like built together more of a vibe. More than anything else. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm certainly a fan. Oh, thanks. Of those crazy <laughs> tones. Do you own yeah. like a million guitar pedals? Me? Oh, yeah. No, no I, I have a, an amazing guitarist, Zach, um, that plays um, with me in the live shows. And I just I just have an Epiphone. Not just an Epiphone. I love my Epiphone. But okay. um, yeah, I play more like the rhythm guitar and stuff like that. Okay, sure. Yeah. 
So when you played mm-hmm. in the studio, yep. was it with the band? So you're playing tonight in Sydney. I am. Was yep. it all of those people in the band that were in the studio with you? Or no, was it, it was kind just of Peter a... and I. Right. Yeah. Okay. So all the, like most of the instrumentation that you hear on it is Peter. Mm. Yeah. So how does that, is it difficult to translate it from that? Because it's a very different environment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Being in the studio, it's more, I always kind of think it's more precise. Yeah. And you have more time. Yeah, totally. Whereas a live show, there's more urgency. So is it difficult to translate those complex sounds that you've, and contrasting sounds that you've crafted in the studio into a live performance? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of opposite to playing in a band, right? Like you play in a band and you kind of just, you might write the songs together and jam out and that's the kind of tempo that always fits and that's just like where the song is. But yeah, going from a recording to a band setting, it's more of a I don't want to say chore that sounds like negative but like you have you kind of well I am anyway I like to be kind of meticulous in what goes into the live show from the recording so that it still has the same sound Mm. um, and mood okay Um, but I have an amazing band and they're pretty good at (laughs) picking up on the recordings and coming into rehearsal and kind of nailing it so just from there I just kind of switch around a few things does it evolve when yeah, it goes into the so. band setting yeah totally okay. i think some of the songs that we now play in the live show if we listen back to the demo that we based it off it it would be i wouldn't say different but you know like tempo changes and maybe mm. we've added in a few different parts i think especially as well a vibe of a song is different live so there were definitely changes that we made to suit the live show mm. and at some points, like, make it more exciting maybe or add a bit where, an, like, an audience could sing along and stuff like that. It's interesting that you mention Missy Higgins. Yeah. Because <laughs> Are you a fan? You, well, I was going to almost mention that because you released a video, I think, two weeks ago. Yes. Where, uh, for Bitch, the single, mm-hmm. but it's, like, a really stripped back. back. Yeah. Yeah, and that was really interesting because it seemed as though you're kind of as comfortable in both worlds. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, I... I think I am and I like when I played in London and New York I played solo and it's a very different vibe playing solo compared to a band but I I love them equally I would say okay um yeah Have, so when you're in Melbourne playing mm. shows yeah it's full band it's full band okay. yeah 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 it's more just logistics okay sure <laughs> yeah sure yeah that's a big important factor yes <laughs> being a touring musician yeah exactly <laughs> but we get to see a full band tonight yeah yeah yep. cool the i think we should listen to the song yeah yeah mm-hmm. so this is a brand new single from Rye park uh it's called bitch
As I said, I love the bridge, but also, I mean, the lyrics are very, it's very personal, right? Yeah. The, is it difficult, or I guess, how do you feel about performing, but also, I guess, share, just sharing to the world these kind of, it's sort of like a vulnerable snapshot. Yeah. I mean, if it was a year ago, sharing something like this probably wouldn't have been an option. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think I've come a long way in that sense that I have now understood that sharing has actually helped me. And I think when I wrote this song, I wasn't really even aware properly of like what was going on in my head. I think I just like got it out and then I was just kind of like, whoa, that's really how I'm feeling. Okay. Um, That's pretty scary. So it was really like a visceral. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually, I never do this, but normally when I write a song, I'm like, okay, I'm writing a song today. This, I kind of just like, I was upset that day and I kind of just like wrote it without the intention of every anyone ever hearing it. Um, and yeah, then I sent it to Peter, my producer. Um, and he just kind of said, let's, let's record this now. <laughs> um, it was almost like a diary entry. Yeah, it did feel like that. I mean, I didn't think about it at the time, but it makes sense now to reflect on it like that. 
and I kind I think I when it came to release time for this song I think I kind of separated myself from the song in terms of just thinking of it as like okay it's time to get the single out and I was preparing everything to get it out and I didn't really consciously think about how I would feel once it was out there in the world and people would actually hear what was going on um so the week or two after was kind of hard to I guess maybe in a way like relive what I wrote um in the song so yeah how was the actual (laughs) release day so it was almost sounds like it's kind of like an emotional hangover like you were so amped up that you were gonna release it then it was out yeah and then after it was like oh man yeah (laughs) definitely I think the first two days was a lot of adrenaline I was just really excited and getting lots of positive feedback and people were kind of I guess celebrating the release and then yeah it was almost like a really high and then a real low afterwards yeah, haven't really processed that part yet because it's, it's all got, still happening. Yeah, yeah, it's all kind of still happening. So, but I, 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 at the same time, I feel really good about putting it out there. Okay. Yeah, feel like I'm sharing like a big part of me. Well, you mentioned that. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. That you're happy that it's kind of a yeah. it's a useful process. Yeah. To share those thoughts. Yeah, I think so. You mentioned that a year ago it wouldn't mm. have been possible. Yeah. Uh, has there been? A transition or what has been the change yeah, in that time? Yeah, I think time? so. Um, I would say a year ago or even two years ago, I didn't really un- understand anxiety and depression as much as I do now. Like things that were consuming me back then I thought was real. And now I sort of am trying to understand that... Um, that I can separate myself and my personality away from anxiety and depression and kind of look at it from a third, like, person point of view. Like an eagle-eye view of what's happening on the ground. So now that I have a better understanding of it, I think that's helped me kind of progress and get better because I can kind of see it for what it is now and understand that that doesn't have to be me. When you're singing, mm. I mean, you're going to be singing tonight. Yeah. So when you're singing those lyrics, yeah. which was, as you said, almost like a diary entry yeah. a year ago, does it take you back to that place and that vulnerability when you read um, the lyrics or hear the lyrics? When I listen to the song and I'm not singing it, it definitely takes me back. But when I'm performing on stage, I kind of take myself out of it and it's more for other people to hear I don't know I wouldn't say that I when I perform I go back to that place but definitely when I hear it it yeah brings up some stuff (laughs) sure well it's interesting I guess I'm glad that you've had that progression of Mm. having the perspective really of being able to look back but I guess I'm also glad that you did document it yeah because I think that's important as well you can see a transition in yeah what you're thinking and yeah because it'd be hard to channel you probably couldn't write it now no. what you were feeling like a year ago exactly because you were in the moment yep mm. I think so it's like a really interesting document yeah like a moment in time kind mm. of captured yeah speaking of performances yes. so <laughs> you're in Sydney tonight yeah which was actually a few days ago when this podcast was released yeah <laughs> but you played uh in Melbourne yes and it was sold out right it was it tell, was an awesome show yeah tell us yeah. about that uh well, it was at the Grace Darling in Melbourne which is a really sick venue um 
yeah I don't know it was just as soon as I got up there I just like felt the energy of the I know that's a really lame thing to say but just like felt the energy of the audience and I was nervous leading up to it but as soon as I kind of like played the first song I just felt really good and excited and I actually for the first time in performing had the best time ever I didn't overthink anything I was just like nothing you know not everything has to be perfect which is something that I'm still learning now too um Mm. And I just had a really good time. I really enjoyed it. And I'm still kind of buzzing from it. <laughs> That's good news. Yeah. <laughs> you can bring it to Sydney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bring those good vibes yeah, to Sydney. Yeah, for sure. So staying in the moment, do you yeah. think that that's a really interesting concept mm. that maybe before you were more thinking about everything that's going on, yep. but when you were doing that gig, yeah, it seems like it was kind of a release and it just all kind yeah, of I think so. let it flow. And I, th- I think that as we discussed before, comes from the progression of understanding myself a little bit more and understanding what's happening in my head um, and realising that, like, thoughts are just thoughts and they come and go and you don't have to hold on to them kind of thing. So I kind of prepared myself for that in the Melbourne show and just thought, like, if you have a negative thought or whatever, don't overthink it and just kind of let it pass and keep going. But I think because I'd prepared myself for it, I didn't have any like overthinking moments or whatever I just like all I wanted to be was in the moment which I think is like the best thing that you can do so it felt good to have experienced that because now I kind of know how to navigate that now Mm. so for I mean you've kind of been building up a body of songs yeah and you were talking about the writing process when normally it's I guess more carefully curated. Yeah. I'm sitting down today. Yeah. I'm going to write a song. Do a song. Or, or I'm in the studio. You're and doing, doing a song. like yeah. songwriting uh, workshops and stuff. Yeah. The so going forward, do you think that you're going to have more? I guess it's hard to predict. Yeah. Things where you're just in the moment and you have to get it out, or is it for the future going to be more towards that curated, carefully constructed songwriting? Um. Well, I never want it to be too carefully curated because then I feel like it loses some essence. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe a bit of both. I'm not sure. I guess you can't really plan a moment of... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I think maybe it's important for me to note that when I'm feeling something a lot at one time, maybe even if I... Uh, don't intend it to be a song do that just write a journal entry and maybe something will come of it maybe something won't but um I think that was an important learning curve for me to to just get out how I was feeling at the time and how like therapeutic that can actually be Mm. I remember I saw a couple years ago Mm. Jack White gave a talk at the Grammys yep Something I think it was related to a music production award. You got your Jack White T-shirt on. I, uh, <laughs> it's kind of my T-shirt because I wear <laughs> yeah. it all the time. Um, and he was saying something like, "Let the music. Don't sort of co- try to control. Yeah. The music. Mm-hmm. Let it control you. Yeah. So just whatever's happening. Exactly. Let it whatever flow. you're feeling at the time and yeah. I yeah. Think so. And I guess particularly in terms of that. Like, I know, you know, applying for a Grammy or something. Yeah. I guess a lot of that pop music is very carefully, yeah. as we said, curated. Yeah. And so, it's we appreciate real art. Yeah, <laughs> when it's not overly yeah, yeah. curated. You've released multiple singles. Yes. So, this is the third or fourth? Fourth. The fourth. Yeah. Okay. So, we have an EP. Basically. On the way. <laughs> so, are you going to be releasing the EP this year or? So, next year, the plan will be to release an EP of brand new songs actually oh right um but i'll be releasing singles 
leading up to that next year. So hopefully an EP in like July, I guess. Okay. July, so August. The singles that you released before, yeah. they won't be on the EP? No. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to have a swag of singles before the EP comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been working on um, some new stuff over the last couple of months and I'm just like really keen to get it out and release it and share it. So that will be the stuff that we hear next year. Yeah, great. <laughs> time for the segment, tell me a thing, where I have a list of seven topics, and I ask you to tell me about one of them. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, death, punk rock, politics, and Patti Smith. So, Raya, can you please tell me a thing? So, this is for punk rock. Okay. Basically, I've never, growing up, I wasn't really exposed to punk rock. It wasn't really in my repertoire. Um, but I met my boyfriend three years ago now, um, and he's super duper into punk rock. Okay. Um, and it wasn't till I met him that I started going to punk rock gigs in like the Melbourne scene and even the Sydney scene as well. And I was very, it wasn't my thing basically to begin with. Okay. (laughs) But over time I've really started to enjoy it and I think... I'm starting to get it now. Mm. I think coming from like a very singery perspective, I was like, I don't, un- I don't understand it. Like, I, it, it just, it didn't make sense to me coming from so ab- such a different world. Because it's so abrasive. I think or- so. Um, it's an ethos, though, right? Yeah, but also, I think because I come from such a different world, it was news to me. I guess what people playing punk rock music found important in their style and what was important to convey and what not to convey and yeah I've just like through going to the tote in Melbourne mainly and the gasso I've just like really grown to love a lot of punk rock bands and what is the element that has hooked you in because initially you weren't that interested but now there must have been I guess it's a changed perception yeah so what is it that you've that you're grabbing onto I think in a lot of bands that I've seen um, it's a lot to do with like the characters on stage and like the the different personas that people have in a band and carry across to the audience. I've just really loved, you know, even if they don't say anything, they are very expressive in like what they wear and the way that they play is everyone's super on, mm. I suppose. Um, but also just like the guitar tones and even the bass tones and just the way that they carry themselves, I think I just began to find super intriguing. But I think to begin with, I didn't didn't really give it a chance. <laughs> so if I'd given it a chance to begin with, I might have been a bit more open to it. Yeah. I kind of had a similar thing. Yeah. Where I didn't really, I wish that I listened to punk when I was 15. Yeah, same. <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to, well, I guess blues, which yep. I still love. It's my favorite genre. Yeah, trailer. of course. But I think I've discovered the Stooges when I was maybe like yeah. 23 or 24. Yeah. And you're like, what? And I just had a year of just listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> just listening to Funhouse yeah. for a year. Um, but yeah, I think I had a similar thing where I kind of, it clicked. Yeah. Something clicked. Yeah. And I understood that it's almost, and I guess with Iggy Pop and the Stooges, yeah. it sort of goes beyond just being in a punk band. Oh, totally. It's sort of the whole 
narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And also, he's kind of not not denying that he's an animal. Yeah. <laughs> like the rest of society does. Yeah. It's just that's what it is. Yeah. It's so visceral. You. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we kind of remove all of that from society. Yeah. Because of capitalism. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's nice to attach to that. Yeah, I think so. For sure. So you see a lot of punk bands in Melbourne? Yeah. Um, so my boyfriend's also a photographer, like for live bands as well. So right. we go and see a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention, so we didn't really talk about photography. Yeah. You dabbled in film? Me? Do you, no. I saw on your Instagram there's a lot of photos of... That's that's my boyfriend's. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he does a lot of like film photography. Yes. Yeah. That's gigs as well. Forte. Yeah. 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 Cool. So all the photos that you would have seen on film, that's his stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably going to have some really... It's a really interesting documentation of like the scene right now i i think 35 millimeter yeah that's cool (laughs) yeah and he he goes out like most nights really to take photos of bands and he loves it yeah we'll have to go and check out his instagram yeah (laughs) see (laughs) all the photos (laughs) yeah (laughs) right thank you so much i really appreciate your time coming in today whilst you're touring and it was lovely to chat yeah lovely to meet you Yeah, you treat me like a queen All you do is love me Better than the movies You're a fucking dreamer I'm a little bitch, I'm a little bitch I'm a little bitch Yeah, you treat me like a queen Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do S E R 107.3 I'm a